Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Hi, friends, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton. For the past series of podcasts, we've been diving into the doctrine of the person of God. And we thought we would finish at 12. We did. We tried. (laughs) But the topic of God's love is just so vast, and we felt like we could only scratch the surface that we decided we needed to do an additional podcast, a bonus podcast, you might say. A part two. Part two, for sure. A part two. Let's call it a part two. So welcome back to part two. Maybe we should have ended with one podcast on this because I'm afraid as we were tying up last last time together, Pastor Jeff noted that we're about to get ourselves into some theologically slippery ground here, a topic that's seldom talked about in polite Christian circles. Those are the only circles I like, you yeah. know, just the polite ones. No, this is this is I I was never taught this. I was I don't, I don't think, ever no. remember. I, I mean even in seminary and stuff, I this is um this is semi new territory for me and 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 for us, oh, and uh, but anyway, sure. Yeah, well, here let's we go. catch people up because the reason we're doing this in this edition, this part two, is because we think that this topic fits here within the context of God's love. So, as a reminder or an introduction today, here it is: we're going to try to answer this question: If God loves all people, then why do we read in the Bible that God also ooh, hated people? Can we even say that word? <laughs> You know, you you couldn't have just ended the podcast already with the last. We should have just ended it and gone on (laughs) to Shoulda, coulda, (laughs) woulda. Well, I would like to blame this topic on you. So, uh, so, yeah, there's there's that that, that's a big question. Um, Ask the question again, please. Okay, if God loves all people, then why do we read in the Bible that God hated people? I don't. Do you have the sense that Martin Luther and John Calvin and Augustine are spinning in their oh, graves goodness. right now? <laughs> well, you know, some people would just go, "Oh my, her, you know, heresy." So where, where are you? Where are you getting that? So Jen, I'm, I'm beginning to think this might not be a good <laughs> idea. But what really, kitchen table theologians, we we want to tackle things theologically that do, quite frankly, become very sticky from mm. time to time, and this is. I think one of those subjects. And we always strive to do that with scriptural and theological accuracy. So let's just hit it head on. Pastor, It'll hit, probably hit us head on. It, but it let, might. Here, that tends to we'll happen <laughs> sometimes too. So Pastor Jeff, it seems that there are some apparent problems that arise in understanding God's love. For instance, and many of us may have never read these verses, which say, for example, from the Old Testament book of Hosea, God says, all their evil is at Gigal. Indeed, I came to hate them. I will love them no more. And that comes from Hosea 9, verse 15. And in Malachi, God's making a pretty significant distinction between Jacob and Esau. I mentioned this in the last podcast. I have loved Jacob, he says, but I hated Esau. Mm. So, you know, I came to hate them there. I hated mm. Esau. This is sticky. This is uncomfortable. This doesn't fit into a lot of our theologically tidy boxes mm. of doctrine. But there it is in black and white. And it, you know, I mean, on face value, it kind of 
seems to discount everything we said in our last podcast mm. about the love of God. So here, here we thought we would do a nice fluffy podcast on the love of God, and now we're talking about God hating people. <laughs> we this digress quickly, but let's take a look, and in so doing, hopefully strengthen our faith and our knowledge regarding the love of God. You see, I'm of the belief that most Christians today only want to hear about the love of God. Take Christian out of it. Mm-hmm. If anybody wants to hear anything about God, they tell me about his love. I don't want to know mm-hmm. much else about mm-hmm. it. But even with a lot of Christians, they don't want to hear about the other side of that coin. But theologically solid biblical Christianity demands that we look at both. And I've got to say, it does feel like a contradiction to say that a God who is mm-hmm. love, is love, can also hate. But it seems like that's what we're saying, right? Because we have used the scripture in the last podcast that says that God is love. From one of our memory John, verses. One, it, one of those, one Three of those that we love from 1 John 4, 8. And now we're using a verse that says God hates in Hosea 9, 15. Is this... An either or or a both and or a yada not a dada. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new one. It me. is. <laughs> well, let me begin by saying that just because something feels that way, mm. you know, you said it feels like a contradiction. It mm. sure does. Just because something feels that way doesn't make it contradictory. Let's say this: God's nature is love, without doubt. Uh, He always does what is best for others, but we also know he hates what is contrary to his nature. He hates what is contrary to love. Mm. And again, words are important. We, We hit that in our last podcast, too. So it's crucial that we understand what the Bible is saying, and sometimes we need to know what that is from the original languages. And that's why biblical scholars study Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic. Now, Aramaic's the language Jesus spoke. We don't have a lot of it in uh, the New Testament, but it, it is there. When we read in Malachi, God's saying that he hated Esau. He, here's, here's what we need to understand. He is not referring to the individual named Esau, hmm. but to the descendants that came from Esau. They became known as the Edomites, E-D-O-M. Ites, <laughs> the Edomite, <laughs> not the termites, the Edomites. And they were people from a region. Guess where they were from? Um, Edom? Edom, yeah. <laughs> and the reason God was opposed to Edom and thereby opposed to the Edomites was because they stood against Israel. They stood against the promises of God toward his people. In reality, God is not saying that he hated an individual named Esau, mm. but the people who came from him, his descendants, the nation of Edom. Another reason that verse is not contrary to God's nature or a contradiction is because sometimes our understanding of an English word and the variety of meanings and nuances we may be thinking of for that word is not necessarily what the biblical writer means by that Mm -hmm. word. We come to it with our own lens of understanding, well, we know that word in English or in Spanish, and so therefore that's what it means, and that's not always the case. I mean, our language is filled with words with double meanings. You can probably oh, think, I mean... There's so many great children's <laughs> books out there that help to illustrate this, and I, I love this. You know, like, 
if you're talking about bark, are you talking about yeah. a dog barking <laughs> or are you talking about the substance on the outside of a tree? If you're talking about a pool, are you talking about splashing in the water or are you playing the game with the balls and the pool cue? Are Bill, uh, billiards? Billiards, <laughs> okay. yes. I never called it that. I don't know. I just think it's a weird name. You know why it's called pool? Because you would play for a pool of money. And the people who are very serious about the game call it billiards. Oh, I thought it was because the balls all kind of pooled up in that. No, it was about triangle. they played for oh, a okay. pot of money, a pool of money. Oh, yeah, sounds good to me. See what? What else are we going to learn on kitchen table theology <laughs> so today? So many things. So many things. <laughs> you know, and if growing up in my house with a daddy that worked in construction, if he was talking about nails, he was talking about something you were hammering with a board. Mm-hmm. But when I wanted to get my nails done, mm-hmm. he'd look at me eight ways to sideways. Yeah, dual meaning. Yep. Same word. <laughs> so I can't help but think that biblical languages are no different. So are They're, there different meanings to this word hate? I mean, all languages have words that carry, you know, I mean, even in English, we have we have words sometimes three uh, meanings. And I'm sure there's a few that maybe you could even argue they have four meanings. Mm. Um, biblical languages are absolutely no, no different. So for the word hate or hated, you know, when we talk about it, we mean antipathy. We mean this vitriolic anger. You know, we're seeing a lot of that in the news, mm. just this hatred, mm. you know, the gritting of teeth, uh, disgust. But that is not, however, the connotation of the Hebrew word we find here in Malachi or in Hosea. Mm. The word hate, biblically, in the Old Testament at least, means not giving. Now, this is really important to understand this, everybody, so lean in. The word hate biblically, when we're reading that in Hosea and in Malachi, means not giving special privilege, not giving special protection to a specific group of people. Mm. So little Q&A here, Jen. Go back and forth here with me uh, with Jacob and Esau. What people group descended from Jacob? Ding, ding, ding. Israel. Right. And what... They would be so proud of you at Cedar Grove Baptist Christian Cedar Hills Baptist Cedar Hills Christian Baptist School. Christian School. All right, so Israel descended from Jacob. What people group descended from Esau? The Edomites, the Edomites from Edom. Yep. So God is saying here when He uses the word hate is is this: I'm not going to give the same privileges and protection to Esau, the Edomites, that I will give to uh, Jacob to the Isra- Israelites. And the reason is because Edom has never had a place in God's plan of redemption for humanity, whereas Israel does. Okay, so that makes more sense, you know, just kind of flushing out mm-hmm. that that word a little bit. And I've got to tell you, I'm a little bit relieved, and I know that for many people, maybe many of our listeners, we get uncomfortable with the concept or the idea that there are things that God hates. Well, don't get too comfortable because (laughs) there are indeed things that God hates. Uh, There are some things God hates as we understand hate. Mm -hmm. What we've just been talking about is different from how we view the word hate. But there are some things God hates as we understand hate. And I don't think that we should ever be surprised to learn that God does, in fact, hate some things. I mean, think about it. He created us with the capacity to both love and hate, and we acknowledge that hatred is sometimes justified. We naturally uh, hate things that destroy what we love. Everybody does. Now, because we are fallen human beings, our love and our hatred are sometimes misplaced, Mm -hmm. sometimes horribly misguided. 
But the existence of our sin nature doesn't negate our God-given ability to love and to hate. Mm -hmm. And it really is no contradiction for a human being to be able to love and hate, and neither is it a contradiction for God to be able to love and hate. Mm -hmm. And I think probably as a side note, it's why we have scriptural direction that says, in your anger, do not sin, Mm -hmm. that there's that hate that comes out of those emotions and feelings of anger that are natural that mm-hmm. God knows we're going to have. Well, as I'm piecing all of this together, could we then say that we must be very careful of believing that because God is love, that there are not things that God hates, that because he is love, he cannot hate, because I think many people hold tight to that belief. Yeah. Well, God is love, therefore he cannot hate. You're you're right. I think a lot of people do hold to that. And, and then those dear, very same people are shocked when they're reading along in their Bible and they run across a verse that tells us that God hates idolatry in hmm. uh, Deuteronomy, that God hates child sacrifice, mm-hmm. that God hates sexual perversion. That's in Leviticus. God hates those who do evil. I mean, if you want to read about this, Psalm 5, Psalm 11, we there it is in, in black and white. So we, we, we better grapple with it, mm-hmm. better understand it. And I remember reading through Proverbs and seeing lists, you know, of some things. And some of those yeah. lists are, I remember one that was seven things that says the Lord, that the Lord hates, you know, pride, lying, murder, evil plots, and those who love evil, false witnesses and troublemakers. If I read that right, then those verses do not include just things that God hates. Does it include the people as well? Well, uh, before I answer, let, let me answer that by going going this way. The yes, the answer is yes. Uh, but the reason is profoundly simple: sin cannot be separated from the sinner, except by the forgiveness available in Christ alone. God hate. I mean, think about it. God hates lying. Yes, absolutely. But lying always involves a person, mm. a liar, who chooses to lie. So God cannot judge the lie without also judging the liar. And when we say or believe, and how many times have you mm. heard or said this, God loves a sinner but hates a sin, that is not really entirely theologically and bib- biblically accurate. Mm. Jonah's account tells us with no shadow of doubt that God wants what's best for the people that he created. Mm. And that, that's part of his love. Peter reminds us that God is uber patient. Uh, and in 2 Peter 3.9, he says, God is not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And at the same time, Psalm 5.5 5 says about God, you hate all evildoers. Psalm 11.5 is even harsher. The wicked, those who love violence, he hates with a passion. Hmm. So, whew, <laughs> this is a lot. <laughs> Can yeah. we at least end with some more fluffy cloud type love? We, we can here? try, yeah. Like a warm blanket. <laughs> yeah, whatever it takes. <laughs> Where does then John 3.16 and salvation fit into all this? Because we know that before a person repents and believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul tells us in Colossians that he or she is the enemy of God. And yet even before he or she is saved, that individual is loved by God. And that is shown in Romans 5, 8. You know, God sacrificed his only begotten son on his behalf. So I guess 
that then the question becomes, what happens to someone who spurns or pushes away God's love, refuses to repent, and stubbornly clings to his or her sin? Well, the Bible teaches that God will judge that individual because God must judge sin, and that means judging the sinner. Mm-hmm. These, um, these, these people are those whom the Bible calls the wicked, and Psalm 11 says God hates the, the, the evildoer. God mm-hmm. hates the wicked. Those, And who are those people? They are the people who persist in their sin, persist in their rebellion, even in the face of the grace and mercy of God in Christ. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, we've been referencing Psalm 5 and Psalm 11. Both of those draw a stark contrast between the righteous, those who take refuge in God, and the wicked, those who rebel against God. The righteous and the wicked make different choices, and they have different destinies. One will see the ultimate expression of God's love, heaven, and the other will know the ultimate expression of God's hatred, that's hell. So, Jen, maybe let's wrap it up like this. None of us can love with a perfect love, nor can we hate with a perfect hatred, But God can both love and hate perfectly because He is God. God can hate without sinful intent. Mm. And that, I think, is a really crucial key part of this. We can't hate without sinful intent. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we hear of somebody hating, we just assume there's sin connected, attached Mm. in some way, shape, or form. God can hate without any sinful intent. He can hate the sinner in a perfectly holy way and still lovingly forgive the sinner at the moment of repentance and faith. And the Old Testament teaches us that. The New Testament teaches us that. Take the entirety of the love of God and remember that because of it, He sent His Son to be our Savior. The wicked, the rebellious, those who are still unforgiven because they refuse God's love God hates, Psalm 510 says, for their many sins, comma, for they have rebelled. Mm. For their many sins, for they have rebelled. But, 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 Mm. and this is so important to understand, God desires that the wicked repent of their sin and find refuge in Christ. So there is his love. Uh, At the moment of saving faith, the wicked, unrighteous sinner is removed immediately in the, from the kingdom of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of light mm-hmm. and love. Colossians 1.13 tells us that all enmity is dissolved, all sin is removed, all things are made new. And that's all rooted in the love of God. And that's a great way to end this part two of this podcast. I think so. Well, speaking of new, being made new, all new things, Kitchen Table Theology, friends, this wraps up this season of learning about these incredible attributes of God. So what's next for us? Well, we're going to take a little bit of a break uh, from our regularly scheduled Scheduled programming, (laughs) whatever that means. And uh, we're going to uh, we're going to do a podcast on. Uh, we're going to do a Q and A podcast. Mm-hmm. We've got you know, some of your questions are in, and and please, if you've got some questions hanging out there, hit me up. Direct message me on Instagram. 
uh, email me at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org, and I promise you we will try to get to your question. We've, we've got some – they're hard. And what I'm finding, <laughs> the questions – the children ask harder questions than the adults. They do. There's no filter. Um, but we're going to be taking a little bit of a break. Uh, we're we're going to do that. We're going to do a couple of bonus podcasts, but stay tuned, Kitchen Table Theologians, because during the months of October and November – we're going to be posting some very interesting bonus podcasts. Mm. And and then I think around the uh, – and well, I don't want to put a date on it, but as we, as we approach the Christmas season, we'll be back to our regular podcast um, season. We'll start a new season. Mm-hmm. And we thought it would be really good as we start to head into the Christmas season to tackle the doctrine – What's called what is called the doctrine of Christology, and that's just the study of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be great. So we'll we'll talk about the incarnation. You know that's what Christmas is all about. We'll we'll start probably around there, and um, we'll we'll do Christology. That's that's coming up, and I just want to encourage y'all as you li- continue to listen. Uh, you know if you haven't left a review or uh, subscribe to the podcast, please do that. The reviews uh, are really helpful because the more reviews you get in podcast world, uh, the more the the word gets out, so to speak. And so if anybody asks about or wants to know about theology and they type uh, theology into the um, subject, you know, into the box, what they're looking for in terms of a podcast, the more uh, reviews and stuff that we have at Kitchen Table Theology will pop up. And we can uh, we can reach more people that way. I was also going to say before Jen signs us off for today's podcast, there's a a, a resource I want to recommend. It's written by D. A. Carson out of Trinity Evangelical Divinity School up in Illinois. Doctor Carson's been around for many many years. He wrote a book called The Difficult Doctrine of the Love of God. And if you've got you know you just want to dive deeper into what this podcast has been about, the difficult doctrine. Of the love of God, incredibly good book, recommended resource here from Kitchen Table Theology. Uh, just uh, look for it on Amazon, and we're also we'll we'll put a link to it to that book uh, in our show notes as well. And as you do that deep dive, let's remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it but applying it. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that our time together today has helped you become a better kitchen table theologian. Hope to see you again. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.